Hey everyone, my name is Cheryl. Welcome back, of course, to The Couple with Cheryl, your favorite podcast on absolutely winning at all things single parenting. All right, my guest in the studio today is going to be telling us her story, as we like to do sometimes, and we're just going to take it from there. I'm going to go straight away to introduce her. She is a dear friend. I know we're not as close as we should be i'm going to work on that i'm going to make sure that i'm available more often yeah she's mentioned that a few times but i have with me here on the podcast carissa hayes hi carissa hey cheryl <laughs> it's good to have you here carissa is a single mother an entrepreneur she does quite a number of things we're going to be talking about that at the end of the podcast i'm putting out all her social media handles so that you guys can follow her i promise you she's like a go-to person yeah you're gonna to want to know carissa <laughs> all right then carissa thank you so much for joining us on the podcast all right so let's hear your story carissa um we've been friends for a while and to be honest I wasn't sure until a mutual friend mentioned it that you were a single mother and you kind of took me aback. You know, I mean, I know you've always been like a very strong person. I see you, you know, very kind-hearted and putting yourself out there and all that. I would never have guessed if I wasn't told that you were actually um, in the same place as myself. So can you tell us your story about being a single mother? Okay. Um... Well, you know, these stories are always two sides to every story and they can be complicated and yeah, the details can be plenty, but basically it was seemed that it would be better for us if we were separated than to be together. And that was it. Um, our, what we wanted out of life, where we were going, wasn't in a line together anymore and um, there's so many different factors that made the decision much easier when it came to deciding that it's not working so um, the first one is always that you want to put the kids first so no matter how hard you want to look at all the other aspects the kids always come first and you want to make sure that they're safe and in a positive environment, an environment that was nurturing for them. So that was the main um, reason for the separation. I would also say that okay. um, I forget sometimes. I, I'm great. I want to give advice. I always look at things logical. But it's, I had to actually take advice what would I do if it was somebody else what would I have told them what you know you only live once as far as I know and if the environment is not um, of benefit to you if you're not happy in it if you're feeling um, that you're trapped if you're feeling insecure if you're feeling um, emotionally all these type of feelings that people don't see them because you may not be in a domestic violence type of situation, but the emotional violence is there. The neglect is there. Yeah. And it did take a long time for me to understand that I wasn't in a healthy relationship and the kids weren't benefiting from it. So it was 
you know, as I'm still young, I was like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> okay. All right. I decided that I wanted it over. And he actually didn't agree at first. He was stubborn. And that made it worse for me. <laughs> because it actually changed who I was as a person. So I started not rebelling, but like, I ignore the person. You don't want us to separate. You wanted it by force. So I'm not going to acknowledge you. And that was another lengthy process of unhealthiness again, because you're living mm. together, but you're not on the same page. You're not doing anything together. And so in the end, it was just like, okay, carry my kids and go. <laughs> he let you go with the kids. Yeah, I left with my kids. They didn't have the capacity okay. to look after themselves, let alone look after the kids. And I just, since you don't want to leave us, we will leave you. Ah, okay. All right, I hear you um, mention that, you know, you know, the kids and just them growing up in a healthy environment and all of that was a primary um, reason why you know, the separation you know, did go through in the end. But then I just want to ask, because on my previous episodes, you know, we distinguished between who a single parent was as opposed to who a co-parent was. And then there was that gray area of parallel parenting where you actually, um, as opposed to a, a co-parent type situation where you both are 100% uh, invested in raising the kids together. So it's not, the burden is not entirely on one person, whether it's financial, whether it's emotional and all of that okay so uh, in a parallel parenting type situation there is that um there is that understanding for the children but the people can't stand each other so i just want to understand are you a single parent in the absolute sense of the word where raising of the children is entirely on you you're completely responsible for their financial education and all of that are you co-parenting or is it that gray area type situation Oh, there's no gray area. This is pure black and white. Um, first of all, on my own side, I'm not angry. I was at one stage, let me not lie, I've gone through that process. I was angry, yeah. but I realized that the anger yeah. was at myself because it was the choices I had made. And I had to get over the anger and accept that I had made that choice and it probably didn't work out the way I wanted it to go to, but I must live with it and move on. So I'm not angry with the father of my children okay. um, but yes i am the sole carer responsible person for them there's no input at all from him and his family so regard to bills upkeep no phone calls nothing and not because i don't want because he doesn't want to do and i know mm -hmm. he has his own issues that he's dealing with so hopefully one day he may want to communicate and have a relationship with his children but at this present time he doesn't have Ah, okay. All right, let's talk about, you know, that's all in the past and here you are, um, strong, independent woman, you know, invested in your kids and all of that. But let's talk about that process. Let's talk about how you got to this point because um, this podcast is all about being better, not being bitter. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful that you've gone through the process, you know, and you're not angry anymore. But let's talk about what it took for you to get to this process. I mean, here I am, 
it's been seven years since um, I've been separated from my ex and I, it's pretty much we're, we're sort of similar in the fact that I'm solely responsible for the care of my child he comes in every once in a while but you know you can't depend on, on what's coming from there and that takes its toll right so how did you get to this point how was it for you um, of course previous episodes talk about getting back out there and I try to break it down from the emotional to the financial to just your social state of your general state of mind how was it for you going through that process to get to where you are now um again uh, a lot of factors played a role in uh that transition um i must say it was hard at first realizing that I, i'm living by myself well as an only adult in the house because I actually went from living at home with my parents to getting married and living with their father. So yeah, there was that transition that was difficult. So um, close friends helped. They helped a lot with the transition. Okay. They really, really helped. And um, it was just that support. Having a network is always key. They always say it takes a village to raise children and it is very important that you have people that you can count on, people that will have your back no matter what, they are there for you. And then the other thing was that I've always had my goals and focus, my career, I knew what I was doing. So I already knew myself on that level. So I'm one of these persons that anything negative around me, I push it into work. And get something positive out of it so i i've learned from a young age when i get angry that energy that i have put it into something of work that i can produce and it always seems to work for me i get better results out of what i'm trying to do using that negative energy so it was the networks around me um, and work that allowed me to get through so what was left was for me to work on the emotional aspect of it, getting my mental state to accept that that part of my life was over, new things I had, but focus on making sure that the children have what they need, the basics that I can afford, and then keep looking for more money because at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to, paying rent, paying school fees, feeding, clothing. And like I said, I was angry at first because I did want that assistance. Like, how do you feel like you don't have to contribute or don't want to support your children? Like, we made them together. And then I realized that, oh, God will help me. <laughs> and he has done. I haven't had to really... I worry. But there's always something that allows me to provide and do what I need to do. And... Like I said, the Friends Network, if I needed assistance, support, they were always there to help out with, like, our children can go and hang out there while I go and do some work here in another state and et cetera. So, yeah, we managed to find our way through. Okay. Well, that's amazing. May I ask, though, how long have you been single parenting? Um, I actually, this is bad. Um, I need to... Okay. Okay. It's not long. It's like two years, three years, three years. 
okay it was three years we've been separated but even when we were together i was responsible for everything for a long time yeah do you understand so the responsibility part was there for a long time prior to us separating before the whole part of me just being on my own so it's basically i had been groomed myself ready to just take over the roles like i just don't really need you here you're not part of the picture anymore you're not bringing anything to this so yeah Mm -hmm. okay all right. I hear what you say about, you know, translating your energy and your anger and everything into work. And that's one of the things that, you know, we we put out as a possible way for people to get back out there. Um, people who especially had like a really bad breakup, because apparently there are people who went into single parenting by choice. My very first interview, um, we had um, S.A. Walter on and she talked about how she planned towards it. Like she literally got and left. And so she planned towards it. So that's different. Uh, she had work or options for work and stuff like that. Was there ever a time um, that you were completely at a loss? Like there was no work to translate your energy into and and stuff like that. Like, was there ever a time like that? And if there was, how then did you cope? <laughs> it's funny you say that. Um, if I look back at all the activities I was doing at the early stages, I there was I was literally throwing myself into everything. So you would see me everywhere, whether it's work, um, I would join hiking clubs, I'll be hiking on weekends, um, I'll go out hanging out with friends, we'll do normal it just became there was always an activity, there was always something I was engaged in, so I wouldn't have to sit down and have that quiet time and be reflecting on my life. I realized that I went and filled up my time with activities, just loads of activities. There was, I could be doing consultancy work on top of consultancy work, plus my normal nine to five, then finding activities, whether it is like every Thursday was fish night, um, Saturdays was hiking. It just, yeah, I just found a way to just really take so much of that time that i wouldn't have to sit down and reflect on my life and to an extent mm-hmm. it wasn't ideal because you do need to have that quiet time with yourself you need to have reflection time you need to have that time where you can really plan and organize yourself and i realized that maybe six months to a year like i didn't really <laughs> i was just literally going with the flow <laughs> <laughs> So I think that you can overdo it because I know I've overdone it at some stage. I've overdone it and uh, was wasn't ideal because while I was overdoing it, then I wasn't really having much of time with the children as well. <laughs> and I had to find that balance back again. I had to find that balance where you can have that relationship with the kids. And my kids are quite grown, so... <clears throat> I'm not really keen with teenagers, which they all are now, but <laughs> they need to have you around. Even though they don't want to talk to you, they need to have you around. <laughs> Even though they feel like you're nagging all the time, they need to have you around. So, yeah, it was just getting back to that balance. Okay. All right. That's that's cool. Um, I'm going through that phase myself now, uh, <laughs> so I can relate. Uh, I don't know yet if I have crossed the line of overdoing it, but... 
you know, I, I'm just at this point where a friend of mine, a mutual friend as a matter of fact, she says, I have seven jobs. Like, girl, you're always doing something. And I go like, yeah, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Deal with it. So <laughs> I hear what you say. <laughs> I hear what you say. But for me, it's even more about, I just, I think for me, it's been a case of when I get to those points where I'm like, I'm unable to provide for something, I'm unable to do something, that's when it hits me. So for me, it's this is my coping mechanism is, you know, just keep making sure that money's coming in, like whatever you're doing, money's coming in so I can relate. Okay, so let's talk about the children now. Uh, of course, at the end of the day, they are the core of why we're doing this because people keep throwing statistics around about how children from um, single parent homes have some sort of disadvantage, you know, as, as when they're uh, when they're grown, you know, and they, people talk about how oh, these ten these things tend to repeat the cycle. Uh, I want to hear what you think about that. But then, first of all, before we get to those comments what's it like you know for you and your kids they're teenagers now oh my god i'm dreading that stage my son is is getting there he's 11 years old now i'm dreading that stage because i just feel like teenagers can be a bit out of control sometimes so how do you how do you cope you know it's, it's just you or do you have other sort of um father figures or any other person who's helping you with them okay um I think one of the first things most people do is that you don't want to repeat the same mistakes that your parents put you through. Um, I've also been there listening to my aunts and uncles complain about grandparents and all that stuff. So you kind of want to learn from experience and previous mistakes made in the family. So key thing is just having family. And no matter what, Nobody is perfect in a family, but there's some qualities children can pick up from individuals. And I believe one of the things that I appreciated more out of my childhood was communications with these individuals that you have around you. Like I can remember so many discussions I've had with elders in the family, uncles and aunties, just certain things. We shouldn't keep children aside. They mature at such a young age these days and like even the process of what happened between myself and their father is it's been discussed to a certain extent so they understand um if they ever feel frustrated they've been able to talk about it and they understand they're free to come and ask me questions they're free to discuss certain things they observed and what they experienced while we were together because I want them to understand that it's not the be on end all. It's just an experience of life and they're going to experience more as they grow and develop. And it doesn't mean that because of the situation that I just believe that you shouldn't seclude yourself off. And one thing I'm very open, I don't hide anything with regards to the situation that I have chosen to be in right now. So there's people around me that know the story. So if they see a child that needs to be spoken to, they can speak to that child because they understand the situation. It's when we start hiding and having secrets and nobody knows what's happening, then they can't understand 
the rationale between the family or why my child is very close with this particular child or why this child likes to talk to this particular auntie because they understand the story but if they don't understand the story the situation then it's very hard so i i i think there's too much stigma on this single parenthood or because men go through the same thing if they're raising children be open about it it's a way of life it's happening everywhere it's nothing new it was happening before it happened to me i did always say that i didn't want to be one of those statistics i've got married i don't want to be from you know my children are broken home all that well it's happened and we didn't die <laughs> we are still here like you know we didn't lose a limb or anything we're still here living our life we're still enjoying so I just believe it's those things. Not everybody must, you shouldn't be shouting about it from the roof. I'm not saying it's something you should be shouting about, but you should have a safe circle in your life that you're mm-hmm. free. They understand what's happening. So the kids understand as well that they have a support unit around them. And like you said, they're teenagers. I have two girls and I have a boy. I believe, I hope that the male figures around <laughs> me are uh, of something that they can like say okay that's a role model i see this man is a strong man he's looking after his family i see this guy's a strong guy he's going to school i see this guy's a strong guy he has his business those type of things and um in the environment that we're in they get to see that anyway as men and women it's got nothing about okay it's nigeria yes we do look at where you come from your parents and all the rest but you can see that your people are making it regardless of their backgrounds. People can come from nothing and actually achieve something if they want to. So um, the quality of your circle, the quality of your communications is very key. If I don't have, I don't have. Okay. I don't, I, yeah, I do feel pressure. Like you said, you want to be able to keep up with what they need and stuff, but you also have to prioritize. I'm not going to rob a bank or forget my morals all in the name that I want to meet up with my children. I also need to understand that sometimes it's just those self interactions that we need to have, which is more than the money that is coming in. And that's bringing back to the previous question. (laughs) It is though. Okay. Speaking about it being a lot, what, what have your lowest moments? been like like what what constitutes the lowest moments for you as a single parent yeah the lowest moments because i don't have anybody (laughs) it's me and Uh, the kids i would like to have a partner in crime uh, based on to life um i don't want the experience i've had to do that thing on men they're all the same no um yeah that was a unique situation and I know what I want, which is very hard because <laughs> my criteria, even though it's only four points, <laughs> it doesn't really match up with the environment that I'm in at the moment. Let me be honest with myself, but I do miss that companionship. I miss having that person that I can plan with, discuss those bad right, things. Right, right. I get that. Okay, Carissa, I'm going to dig in a bit deeper. You said something just now and it just triggered a question in my head. Uh, you mentioned the fact that your criteria doesn't, um, what you're looking for, it doesn't necessarily match up with the environment that you're in. Could you throw a little bit more light on that? Could you throw a little bit more light on that? Yes, 
Yes, yes. <laughs> when you say the environment that you're in, what are you referring to? Are you referring to Nigeria? Are you referring to Abuja? Like that you're in. What are you referring to? Are you referring to Nigeria? Yes, I'm referring to Nigeria. No, it cannot be Abuja. Abuja is Nigeria. Let's be honest with ourselves. Everything goes hell. Um, I don't know if I'm... I'm not saying I don't want to get married, but I'm just looking for a companion, number one. The second thing is I'm not looking at having more children. Um, The third thing is I have children. (laughs) So those three things, like finding somebody that already has children or is not looking for children that is of my age category, um, Mm -hmm. that is single, (laughs) is Mm -hmm. not, it kind of restricts, like the numbers become almost non-existing so that is where i have the issue so i'm not into this frivolous date and all that i don't have time to waste let me focus yeah. on doing my business <laughs> looking after my kids so that's why i'm very straightforward even if somebody approaches me i will tell them straight away look <laughs> this is where i am and this is where i'm going i really don't have the time yeah, people can be persistent but i'm also persistent mm-hmm. i know what i want <laughs> and I know what I can offer and I don't want that false potencies and we understand or well I understand that the culture is there that most guys if you don't if they've never been married and they don't have children they're not going to marry somebody that already has been married and has children oh. family that, has, that, has that been your experience like generally speaking um, know, it's cultural side how, I uh, would have yeah. better chances outside of nigeria cultural sites and i know what i'm attracted to <laughs> and i know the type of families they have behind them <laughs> it's not going to yeah i don't want those type of frictions i don't want it to be a choice like me or your family i don't want that i am a big believer of family i like all the gatherings i like us to just be blended in that sense right but, right i get that so it's not a biggie if you meet someone who already has children the point is it's uh, not a it's it's not a, you don't want a case of the person doesn't have children and is single and then there's that pressure of you know you have to choose yeah i get that i get that okay all right carissa um let us talk financial intelligence right as a single mother mm-hmm, i know <laughs> As much as as much as we can take on a whole number of things and we're trying to just make sure that we're keeping busy and all that, how has it been for you being the sole provider and having to manage your finances where your children are concerned? Do you get any type of help at all? Or just, you know, let's just what is it like for you? Yeah, let's just what is it like for you? Um zero 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 help. Um, it's a nightmare. Um, forever robbing Peter to pay Paul and then robbing Paul to pay Peter to shine balance out. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a situation I would like anyone to be in full stop. It's, and then things are changing. This, um, lockdown COVID-19, um, where extra income was coming in, it's no longer coming in. Um, and I know what I'm capable of and I know what I want to do in order to make sure I can meet up with the needs of my children. So when it's not feasible, it can be frustrating. 
is there anything that you're doing differently now as a single parent financially from when you still had a partner? I think, yeah, let's just, let's just do it that way. You still had a partner. I think, yeah, let's just, let's just do it that way. Yeah, kind of, yeah, because like I said, I had been managing everything by myself prior to the separation. So I had kind of, I'm not the best of persons when it comes to money. Let me just be honest. <laughs> And this financial intelligence, even though you can plan, there's always unforeseen. And there just never seems to be enough to keep up with the unforeseen. So you can plan the basics, which is fees for school, food, rent, and then they will come back home from school with another expense and another expense. And then he gets to the third expense. It's like, mm -mm, I can't keep up with these expenses anymore because it wasn't planned for. Um, he starts saving and then something comes up. You need to repair something, fix something, replace something in the house. So that's when I would love the extra support as <laughs> it comes in because all those things, you have to keep on top of them. So... Do I do anything different now? I think I pray harder now than I did before. <laughs> because honestly, <laughs> let me not lie. Oh I can't think of any, there's, there's no really strategic way of going around it. And as I was sitting this morning thinking, the dollar has gone up, pound has gone up, now it has fallen. My salary is not increasing. <laughs> He's not reflecting this thing. So now it's like thinking of right, situations have changed where I was getting my extra income from was leisure activities, consulting work. Those activities are on lockdown. We can't do anything at the moment. So right now I'm just thinking of the next viable way to just invest in something that will bring the extra income. I mean, no matter what, you must always have extra income. I believe that it helps to ease off with all those extra expenses that I was saying, those things that you don't expect the shower to break today or you need to fix a pipe in the wall because it burst. So all these things that just happen and you have to pay them, get them sorted. <laughs> yeah, extra income is very key. I think I'm more focused on extra income more than I was prior. Things that okay. I can invest in that I'm not doing on a day-to-day -day basis, but I'm able to get some right, fixes. Cool. All right, so let's come back to that question. You know, the part where you know the statistics, the statistics that you threw around. I want to talk about that um, for children who are from single parent homes. Um, there's this talk about um, them automatically having some level of perhaps the term dysfunction might be too extreme, but <laughs> you know where I'm going with that. Okay, so what do you think? What do you say to that? You know, is it a fear that you have? Because I know it's a fear that I have. <laughs> so what what would you say to that? <laughs> so what, what would you say to that? Um, I think <laughs> everything is dependent, is relative. Yeah, because I do monitoring and evaluation. I work with right. numbers, statistics, and it depends on who is looking at the numbers and what they want the numbers for. <laughs> Everybody interprets in their own way. So for instance, there are families that are together and they're dysfunctional. 
people stay in those marriages, children are being affected. Are we looking at the statistics that says that the ones that come out are doing fairer or worse than the ones that stay in the marriages? We have to always put in the other factors around the situation. And these were things I was always thinking about. And the first thing is in a household. I don't believe in a family we should be intentionally hurting anybody within the family. The world is a hard enough place as it is to survive in. But we should feel safe in our households. We should feel loved in our households. Once that is not there, once that loyalty, trust is not inside the household, it's not an environment that you should raise anybody in. That's more important to me than anything else. Because it's in the household, your children build their strength and how they can be resilient, they can be logical, they know how to handle themselves. If they need to be a psycho chameleons, adapt to different environments, know how to communicate very well, understand how to handle their emotions. They can't do it and learn that in the household. They can't do it once they're adults. And you can't go backwards. Once they've reached past their puberty ages, there's no way of you going back to reinstill these skills that they need to survive in the world. Um, so the statistics are numbers. I like I said earlier, yes, I didn't want to be part of that statistics that they always talk about, broken homes, especially black family. There's no black father figures in the world. That's why the boys are all crazy and they're aggressive and the boys don't know how to conduct themselves. They go around angry in gangs in the streets. Hell no. You're not scaring me anymore. And that was another reason why my children had to be raised in Nigeria, in a black country where they can see on a day-to-day -day basis, black leaders, black guys that are doing positive things, positive role models, women that are out there working in all sectors of the government. They are doing what they need to do to look after their families. There's positive role models around all the time. So it's not based on the numbers that one agency needed so that they can get funding to do whatever they feel like they were assisting without any real positive impact. <laughs> no outcomes that really address the situation at hand because they're not looking at, there's always a root cause for these things. There's always a root cause. Uh, you go to anybody's family and you actually sit down and listen to the rubbish that happens, you realize that there is no perfect family. <laughs> there is really no perfect family. There is none at all. Like, ah, I hear my my aunties and my uncles, and I'm like, thank goodness I wasn't around when you guys <laughs> were growing up. I hear friends and their families and their issues that they've gone through, and it just depends on what you, as an individual, can tolerate as well. So. You know, it's, there's this um, story that they're always posting around. Uh, a family, the husband is a drunk, and every day the husband comes home, trashes the place, steals money, everything. One son grows up to be a lawyer, and the other son grows up to be a drunk. They grow up in the same environment. It's about the choices you make at the end of the day. It's about the choices you make at the end of the day. I believe that a lot of reasons why people can't move on from these things is because they don't have that circle, that network, yeah. 
they have those ones that will say, oh, just manage it. Oh, don't worry. You know, just pray on it. Oh, don't worry. You know, you don't want the shame. Oh, don't worry. You know, you... no, no. Mm-hmm. It's not about anybody else but you. If you are not surviving, please move on. It's your life. You were surviving before you entered that life. And then that life decided that it doesn't, it's not of any use to you. Please move on. Yeah. I need to I need to address that real quick, Carissa, as we round off. Um, there are people who genuinely have nowhere to go. Like, uh, I was talking to someone um, a couple of days back, and she literally is by herself. Uh, her parents actually pushed her into a marriage with someone um, who she ended up losing. So she's widowed, and she was widowed at a very young age. And so the parents literally pushed her into the marriage in the first place because they couldn't even support her, right? So her coming out of the marriage, the, the, the young man who she was married to, who, who is late at this point, the family comes, takes the children away. So she doesn't even have her children to comfort her. She has no family to fall back on, none of all of that. It's a little more difficult for someone like that to move on. So what would you say to someone in that type of situation, for instance? Like where is where can they find the support? Where can they fall go, you know, if they need someone to fall back on or anything like that? I think um it's what your this story is a very, very complicated one and it's one that is very prevalent in Nigeria. Um we do it to ourselves and I'll say this is that we tell women to get married and they shouldn't interact with the outside world. You, you're confided to your house and the family members. And when such situations occur now, you are left on your own to defend for yourself and without the support. Um, would I say women are our own worst enemy? I wouldn't put it so much as that. I think we've been conformed over the years. The point of that is all about being in the husband's house and going into the family of the husband. You now belong to them. And a lot of the time I see that they're not really... I don't know how that dysfunction. I'm still observing because I love to observe situations. We don't seem to see the women as human beings in a sense that they look more of commodities she'll carry my children for me she will clean the house cook food if i needed to dress up she'll wear the right type of wrapper and go and make me look good but that thing of making a woman independent i believe helps the man more than anything and i think that families don't understand this type of nurturing of all the women that come into the family because they are the pillar of the family they're the ones that are grounded if you don't have a woman that is capable how is she meant to raise the children and nurture them the way they need to be we have so many systematic issues on ground all these women empowerment that they're doing is still not hitting the roots of the situations on ground there's no way i can say to you right now this is where this woman can go to because these are these circles I've been talking about, the networks are things that 
people like myself and yourself, you actually fall into them during your day-to-day work activities, your day-to-day activities at the schools that your children go to. You must interact in your environment so that you're never on your own. Like I know I can step outside my house, there's three or four people that I can call on outside of my own route. Not that I speak to them every day, but I'm, I'm not hiding anything. They know who I am, I know who they are. If I need them, they're there. Mm. Outside of church circles, you should have your own female circles that are people that you can be honest and genuine. When you're in the hard times, they're there. When you're in the good times, they're there. Yes, we understand that there's fake people, but the reason that we keep saying there's fake people is because people have lost trust. Not that people are not trustworthy. People have lost trust. So they don't feel like they can talk to somebody and be open with them or anything they're yeah. saying that they can trust it. Yeah. It's for instance, I, the person I'm most closest with, she's married. We have this issue all the time. If I'm giving advice, they will say that, but you're not married anymore. You left your husband's yeah. house. Because there's certain situations where it doesn't require you to separate. <laughs> I want to give advice. And she's married. When she says, you know what? It's not working for you. You're suffering. End the marriage. They were saying, ah, but would you leave your husband's house? You know, you always have that thing. It's like, we should be able to, as individuals, take information, but trust our own instincts as well to come up with a logical as because even when you're talking, you don't give all the information out anyway. Like I said, there's two sides to every story. You probably hear my ex's sides of what happened. He will tell you something completely different to what I said. But it's just, we need to be able to understand our values, our morals, mm. understand what we want out of our lives. And I think those are things, it's just, like I said, there's so much that has impacted us from a young age that we actually need to start working on and making sure that our young ladies coming up have this knowledge and understanding and help to be self-resilient when it comes to the environments around them. Um, and then same for the young boys as well. Nurture them the way we want to nurture our girls. We tend to neglect them and focus on the girls. But the girls now, we're not giving them these core skills they need to be independent. So it's not about, I need to get to 18, finish school and have a husband. No, I need to be stable and have something that if I find the guy I want to marry, we can build a life together. I, I believe the, yeah. the, the aspects of where we're entering into some of these areas is not assisting anybody. I don't know, this, this situation, and it happens a lot. I've had people come up to me, they complain about domestic violence and all the rest of it. And then when you get to the point of, this is what we can do, X, Y, and Z. Yeah they kind of fall back because of that situation. They can't go back home. Where do they go? There's nowhere. So for instance, now um, part of our NGO, we have this umbrella for social justice. Most of our cases that we do um, are basically providing pro bono services to assist with those that can't afford a lawyer. And most of our cases are on domestic violence and divorce cases where especially women don't have never been self-sufficient so they don't have the means to pay for a lawyer but they right, need assistance right. 
and you have the likes of Fide that we work with, so and there are shelters in Lagos. In Abuja, we don't have any shelters, but I'm sure they're working on those now. There are some help, but it doesn't match up with the situation that we have on ground when it comes to women needing that support. And a lot of the women over the years have that can assist you in the organizations, they tend to have to back away because they can't do anything if you don't want to push it. So if a woman comes in yeah. that they, they have this situation on ground, they must follow through. We can take all the actions that need to be taken to support the body. If you decide to give up halfway through, we can't pursue it on your behalf. And we see it as wasted time that we could have been helping somebody else. So the situations like this, there's too many. And I wish that in communities, we would even have more of a, we are together. We're starting to come more like the West where we're happening next door. We don't want to know. And yeah. quickly before we finish, there was an incident a month ago where um, somebody called me. The husband was chasing the wife down the road with a machete. And a passerby intervened and the man started using the machete on the passerby. And they had called the police and they called me because of the NGO to see what was, what could they do at that time? And I said, just take as much pictures if someone can record it, record it so they have the evidence. He's already called the police already, so they're coming. Um, as soon as the police come, let us know. Then we look for a pro bono lawyer that's near the area that can just go out and assist if the lady wants to pursue. And a couple hours later, they called back to say that this is a normal occurrence. Like at least once a month, the man beats her or does something and that she doesn't want to take care any further. So I think we need to get to the point where when these cases do come up, the authorities take it on board that there's repercussions for this type of behavior. Yes, the passerby is taking it up, but they should also take the case up for domestic violence without her having to say anything. Because when the life is lost, that's somebody's mother, that's somebody's child, you cannot just say that, oh, why was she still there? She should have left. No. Some people need that extra support. Like you said, they don't have the networks or the circle to give them that. She's already feeling beaten down, trodden down. Like this is her cross the bear in being such a situation. So it's authorities that need to take into these accounts and make an example of these individuals. Hey, it's too sad. Okay. But <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then we just kind of segued into this whole part. And, and I must say, Carissa, um, thank you very much. Thank you very much, not just for sharing your story, but also for bringing this part up. And I'm going to sort of arm twist you into coming back and then so that we can spend an entire episode talking about how exactly um, to help people like this, like, like these, because they do, there are people like these who need help. I mean, when I when I first of all heard about her story and she told me um, that her in-laws came and took her children, 
I was like, oh my God, you let them go. She was like, she didn't have any choice. In fact, she felt relieved because she had been struggling on her own trying to raise the children. But then, you know, what you have with that situation is the in-laws are very much aware and instead of providing her with the help she needed, they played on that and then came to say, she, she, I, I'm not sure she has seen those children in a long time. I feel like that is a form of abuse in itself. You, you have no right to do that. You know, so how we can help people like, 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 like this, I think is something that we're going to discuss in an entire episode. Do you have any final thoughts you wanted to tell us? No, I just, uh, it's just a difficult, um, it's difficult in the sense that there's so much that needs to be done and it's not one organization or one law enforcement agency. It has to be something that is integrated in the society so mm-hmm. that everybody understands that these are the procedures because in Abuja by rights the fathers have to contribute to upkeep of children in Abuja you can actually the go to court so when you say in Abuja you mean there's a law that allows for that yes so it's yes like you said this needs to be a topic on its own there's it's just information and awareness people don't know what is available and the support that is out there so i look forward to when you have this discussion yes yes i'm definitely going to bring you on but in the meantime thank you once again it's been such an interesting time talking to you i'm glad you came on the podcast today thank you very much carissa thank you for having me i had fun i like having to the chance to give my side (laughs) yes yes thank you so much all right guys so you heard it from carissa so here's a little bit more information about carissa and the work that she does carissa is a forensic scientist and monitoring and evaluation consultant she works at amber alert for social justice which is a non-for-profit at the network of university legal aid institutions nila nigeria amber alert for social justice uses creative platforms to art events and the likes to draw nigerians together in promoting social justice and they care for an inclusive nigeria and just society and the dignity of all nigerians in general you know we look forward to having her back on so that we can talk specifically about the other things that we mentioned. All right, until then, remember that you can send us your messages, stories, questions, or contributions to our email at chercast at gmail.com, or you can follow us on all our social media platforms at the Couple Rich Show. We can't wait to hear from you. I look forward to getting your voice messages as well so that we can incorporate them on the podcast. All right, until then, remember, crooked sticks draw straight lines too. Bye-bye.